Welcome to Kingdom Living Ministries, where our vision is knowing God, loving people, and making disciples. We trust this week's message will be a blessing to your life. Enjoy the teaching ministry of KLM. All right, so let's go. Let's pray. Um, Father God, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We thank you for this time together. Pray none of me but all of you. I pray that you think through my mind, speak through my lips of clay, make my tongue of a pen, pen of a ready writer. I thank you for supernatural divine utterance that I may boldly make known the mysteries of the gospel. Grant unto your children the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you, that the eyes of their understanding will be enlightened, that they may know what is the hope of your calling, what are the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints, what is the exceeding greatness of your power towards them that believe. I thank you for, for what you want to do today. God, with humility, I approach your throne and approach this holy sacred desk. And, and God, I thank you, Father, for blowing our minds today, what you're going to say, what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Um, today we're going to talk about something very interesting as we uncover or unmask Satan's, um, who he is and what he has accomplished. And so if you have your Bibles, go with me to a bunch of scriptures. No, just kidding. Um, let's go to 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 16. Today we're going to talk about the ties that bind, the ties that bind. Everybody say the ties that bind. Okay, so there are some ties that we uh, often will have that has bound us up. So 1 Samuel chapter 16, look at verse 21. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 21, and it simply says this. And David came to Saul and entered in his service, and Saul loved him greatly. He became his armor bearer. All right, so we see David is um, uh, making his allegiance to Saul. Saul is now his... Um, He's serving Saul as his armor bearer, and he's, he's, he loved him. Saul loved him greatly. And then as you continue to read the story, you see that Saul actually began to attack David. David often will play the instrument unto the Lord and, and free Saul up from, it, it says this the next very next verse, in verse um, 22, it says, Saul sent to Jesse and said, let David remain in my service. For he has found favor in my sight, and whatever, and whenever the harmful spirit or evil spirit from God was upon Saul, David took the lyric and played it with his hand. So Saul was afresh and was well, and the harmful spirit departed from him. And so we see from the scripture that how anointed musicians, they need to be anointed, right? Come on. Amen. Um, when they're anointed, um, they can play under the anointing in such a way that calls evil spirits to leave people. So if you imagine with me, if a person is not connected with God and they're playing instruments, what it, so if an anointed musician can play under the spirit of God and cause evil spirits to leave, what about an un, unanointed musician playing under their flesh could they cause evil spirits to come? And so music is very powerful as we, as, as we studied about Lucifer and how Lucifer was, um, Lucifer was in charge of music 
and he was an instrument unto God. He was a praise and worship. And so we see music that is one of the greatest influence upon the lives of people. And so if you want to get rid of devils in a person, you got to change their music. And so music can either evoke the presence of God or it can evoke the presence of evil spirits. Certain music will stir you up. And so here, David was a psalmist, and he, as he played unto the Lord, evil spirits left um, the king. And so we, we can see, again, Saul is, I mean, David has some type of allegiance to Saul, and there is a love. Let's, let's go to a couple chapters later, 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 1. 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 1. It says, as soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan, which is David, I mean Saul's son, the soul of David, or Jonathan, excuse me, was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. So we see from this, here's Saul's son, and Saul's son, Jonathan, really loved David. And there was a, um, it wasn't perverted, but it was a healthy tie with their souls. And so what is a soul tie? Okay, we're talking about soul ties today. What, what are soul ties? Soul ties are formed through relations, connections, covenants we make throughout the course of life. These connections lie to us, I mean tie us to people, to places, to churches, and other entities. And they can dramatically affect our lives. Satan uses this tool as a means to control our progress in all the areas of life. So there are certain ties that we have with, um, you see people not, not able to leave a job. They feel tied to a job. They feel obligated, um, and that job controls them. They feel tied to a church that is ungodly. Now, there is healthy soul ties. Of course, a husband and wife, they're, they're, that's a godly soul tie. Friendships, they're, they're soul ties. Fathers and sons and daughters and mothers and, 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 and grandkids and so forth, they're, they're, those are positive soul ties, um, good, healthy relationship that's going to help you grow in the things of God. But then you have ungodly soul ties. You have things that, t that tie you to something or someone and you feel like there isn't a progress. And whenever that person or that thing or that organization pull on you, it's like they're pulling on you and you don't feel like you have control over it. You just feel obligated to it. Am I talking to anybody? Okay. Um, recently, the Lord showed me I had a soul tie to a certain place. And just as I was studying this, and I'm like, uh, I told my wife, she was like, whoa, wow. We were texting, and, and she's like, you got to call me. Tell me about this. <laughs> How did the Lord show you this? <laughs> and, and I cut that tie. And sometimes you have to cut ties with people, um, um, ties. And, you know, you just have to make a decision. And sometimes you can feel connected. Like I know at one particular job that I had, I was there about for five years, and I, I felt like I always had to go by there and see them and talk to them and check on them. And, and it's good to be that way, but there was a connection to this job that I had to cut, and I, and I just cut, cut the connection. 
I stopped going by there, stopped bringing my, my famous brownies and, and so forth, and things that they were used to. And, they, and those things, sometimes staying in the past will keep you in the past and keep you in, the, in bondage. And you, sometimes you just got to make a cut. Uh, you know, and that doesn't necessarily mean that you can't say hi. That doesn't mean, when, you know, um, you cut something doesn't mean that you, you're not nice, but it's just that you don't, you don't go around that. All right, so um, so soul ties are, are those covenants and those things that will keep you in the past. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 says, forgetting those things which are behind. Um, certain relationships. Um, these are questions to ask, to answer if you whether or not you have a soul tie or ties that bind. Here, here's a couple. Why can't I get ahead? What's wrong with me? Why does this keep happening to me? Why is it that you keep attracting certain people? Do you attract people who always are needy? Then there's something inside of you that's pulling, you know, say, hey, you know, if you need something, come pull on me. Uh, why do I seem to live in such a hellish mess all the time? And why does my life seem to be limited? There are legitimate reasons why... Um, you continue to be drawn back into the same old mess, wrestling with the same devils or demons, and achieve the same results over and over again. A soul tie can lie dormant within you and remain completely under the radar without showing any signs or giving any indication that it is present. So these ties to our souls. Now let's explain what a soul is. You're, you got your spirit. Your spirit is recreated in the image of God. When you get born again, that's the part of you that gets born again, right? Your mind doesn't get born again. Your body doesn't get born again, but your spirit gets born again. Your soul, on the other hand, is your mind, your will, your intellect, your emotions. Let's do that again. Your, your soul is your mind. Your intellect, your emotions, your will. Um, the, Jesus said it like this: um, Whosoever, um, what profit does the, what profit does a man have or, or a woman if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? So, what does that mean? You can't really lose your soul, but what it, what Jesus is saying is you lose your ability to choose. So when you die, you go to heaven or hell, and that decision to choose Jesus if you go to hell is shut off from you. And so you lose your ability to choose. When Satan decided, Lucifer at the time decided to rebel against God with the one-thirds of the angel, his will was sealed. Some people are going around praying for Satan to get saved. Believe it or not, there are spirit-filled um, 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 people praying for Satan to get saved. Um, they're, they're delusional because when Satan made his decision and God kicked him out of heaven, his decision was sealed. His, his will was, was sealed forever. And so your soul is your, and then your body is where you live in, you, you feed, you dress up, you take a shower, and you do makeup on, or you, you brush your teeth and so on. That's your, your body. So your soul is where the battleground is. Um, whoever wins between your flesh and your soul, there are people who pray out of their soulish realm. They pray out of their soul. They, they pray out of their emotions. Have you ever heard somebody pray out of their emotions? It's very diabolical. It's very humanistic. They pray out. And in the, the power of the soul, you're, you're, there's something greater than your will. 
and that is your emotions. Your emotions will drive you. Your emotions are supposed to inform you, but they are driven. Your emotions are stronger than you think they are. They will control you. If they're, if they're in the wrong hands, they will control you. And if the devil can get your emotions, he can get you every time. And so you can't be controlled by your emotions. We're to live by faith and not by emotions, not by sight, not by the things that are touchy feelings. And, 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 and sometimes human relationships can speak louder than the voice of God. And so when you enter into a covenant um, with someone, whether through friendship or through um, a brotherhood, sisterhood, or relationship, that can speak louder than, uh, than the will and the voice of God. That went over pretty well. A soul tie can lie dormant. Um, a per, one, one way that it can be hellish is that if you if you slept with someone and that when that person comes around, they pull on you. And, and it's like you yield to them every time. All right, let's go to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. You could have a soul tie, a demonic soul tie with a family member where that family member can pull on you and make you give your last dime when you know better. Pull on your emotions. You know, you remember when you were a kid, I took care of you. You know, uh, you know, you know, you know, I'm your mama. You know, I'm a, your daddy. You know, you're my son. You know, I'm my daughter. They can pull on your emotions and make you do things that you normally wouldn't do. So that soul tie needs to be cut off. You know, you, you, you shouldn't be a slave to anyone but Christ. Amen. Amen. And, and, and sometimes mothers and sometimes fathers will have a great a weight in the lives of their kids where the kids are in bondage. Uh, using scriptures like Ephesians 6, 1, children obey your parents and the kid is 30 years old. Unscriptural. No, this is talking about kids who are living in your house under age. That, that scripture doesn't apply to grown behind children. It's just, it doesn't. I mean, you know what I'm saying? In the time that the child should be on his own and have his own family, you can't pull like, you got to obey me because the Bible says. Or the <laughs> and then you have um, um, relationships. Um, you have um, perhaps ex-wives and ex-husbands who try to pull on your emotions like that. Um, this is why you have um, pimps um, pulling on their prostitutes and, 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 and having that kind of mind control over people, getting them to do what they want to do, even if they're out of the lifestyle. Uh, so drug dealers and so forth, influencing people through words. And so James chapter 1, verse 14, James chapter 1, verse 14 says this, but each person is tempted when he's lured or enticed by his own desires. So your temptation is going to be different than the next person. You may be tempted with alcohol, and I'm not. I mean, just the other day, I, I, I boiled some hot dogs and beer, all right? And, and, and I put it on Facebook, and some religious people came after me. Uh, one thing you don't, they don't realize that the, the, the boiling of the alcohol, remo it, it removes the alcohol, Right? And you can give the hot dogs to kids, otherwise diapers will show up. <laughs> and it produces a flavor that normally you won't have. And so there's some people who are tempted with alcohol. Alcohol doesn't move me. I don't drink it. I mean, I don't want it. 
And so if, if that has a issue with you, then you, don't, you need to stay away from it. Um, and then there's some people who are tempted with money. You don't need to work around money. You don't need to volunteer at the church to count the money. <laughs> Judas. <laughs> for the Lord. <laughs> for PD. And for me. <laughs> the Holy Trinity. <laughs> the Lord is good. God, God is blessing us. Oh, God is blessing. Caleb, is gr- we're growing time. Oh, yes. Glory to God, we're growing. I get paid every week. <laughs> so you, you, got, you got to be careful about that, right? And you got to know your temptations. Um, certain things that will move you, you, you got to know. But it says when we're tempted, we're, we're, we're enticed based on our own desires. So you're not tempted. It's your, one person's temptation is not another. And so you may be tempted to um, lie, whereas a person is tempted to always, like, blat out the truth no matter what people feel like. You know what I'm saying? Or you may be tempted to always uh, to be shy and timid, and then the person may be tempted to always be loud. So, so everybody's temptation is different. You may be tempted to be very private. Or somebody else may be tempted to tell everything. <laughs> I mean, you, know, you don't need to tell everything. You don't have to tell the whole, whole testimony. And do the edit version at certain contexts, right? Because everybody can't handle your testimony, right? And they can stop your ministry because they can't handle it. James chapter 1, verse 14, it says, when we're drawn away with our own lusts, um, uh, King James says lust, lured and enticed by our own desires, lust is a having a desire for something that God forbids. That's what lust is. Lust is having a desire for something that God forbids. So if God forbids you to um, have someone else's spouse, which he does, then that, to desire that is to have, to have lust. To, to desire something that God forbids. So the desire or that lust, it goes on, it says verse um, 15, then desire or lust, when it, is, it has conceived, gives birth to what? Sin. So you have lust or a strong passion that will produce, right, that will produce sin. Lust will produce sin, and then sin, when it's finished, it is conceived, it will produce fully grown, bring forth death. So you have lust produces sin, sin produces death. Okay, so how do we get to the desire, strong desire? So your thoughts will produce your desires. So whoever can control your thoughts will can control your desires. This is why the power of the media and power of, uh, of commercials, the suggestions of commercials, they, they, they will bombard you with the same commercials until they break you down to where you're by. This is why those, those um, shows that, that you know, they sell in things, oh, get this, you know, three payments of $19.99, and, da, 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 da. And, they, and, and there's people, I know people that sit there and buy boxes and boxes and boxes of stuff, and it just still just stays there, and they just can't help it. Uh, the power of suggestions. And so lust comes from a, a place of, desi- of thoughts. So you got to control your thoughts. Again, you can't stop thoughts from coming, but you don't have to think about it. Right. You can't control what comes to your mind. Mm-hmm. 
but you can control what you think about it. You can't stop the bird from flying over your head, but you don't allow, allow that bird to settle down and build a nest in your head. And that's what thoughts will happen. Thoughts will come across your mind, and if, the, if you are naive and not spiritual, you'll allow that thought to come and settle down. And once it settles in, in your mind, it gets into your heart, and it becomes a desire. And that desire will produce sin, because eventually whatever you desire the most, you'll act upon it. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So eventually what you're thinking will produce a desire, which will produce action. And that's why it becomes sin. Your thoughts will produce your, your thoughts will produce desires. Desires will produce action. Actions will produce um, habits. Habits will produce character. And character will produce destiny. All from your thoughts. It is concerned, God is concerned about what you think about on a daily. You're, you cannot be a Christian thinking any kind of way. Philippians 4 tells us what to think about. You, you, you got to be careful about how you think. The Bible says in Isaiah 26 verse 3, it says, If you'll keep your mind stayed upon me, I'll keep you in perfect peace. And the word perfect, don't let that perfect trip you up. It just means mature peace. Um, allow mature peace to settle down. But you got to keep your mind. How do you keep your mind stayed on the Lord 24-7? Does that mean that you say Jesus, Jesus, Jesus all the time? No, absolutely not. You'll be crazy and, and they should lock you up, right? <laughs> If everything that you always say is scripture, 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 I mean, that, th there is a way to talk scripture without talking scriptures. I do it all the time. I, 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 when I was a kid, a young lad, 19 years old, and I was working at Red Lobster, and they, they liked my attitude so much, and, and they wanted me to speak at the staff meeting. And, and, and so I got up and said, I didn't know what to say. And so I said, well, I once read in a wise book, um, it, um, if you keep your mouth, a soft, a soft answer will turn away wrath. They're like, wow. <laughs> That's, I mean, you can talk scripture without talking scripture. You don't have to quote scriptures. The books, the, the Bible I got, the one of the Bibles I got, it doesn't have chapters and verses. And so, as, see, sometimes we want chapters and verses. We want to memorize chapters and verses to impress our brothers and our sisters. So I may not necessarily know the chapters and verses, but I can tell you what the scripture says without quoting them verbatim. And so that's what you want to get to. The Holy Spirit wants to get you to the place where you know the word to such an extent, regardless of chapters and verses, because the original Bible, the original manuscripts were written in chapters and verses. And so they can hinder you from seeing the whole point of what that passage is trying to say. And so get rid of the chapter and verses and study the scripture and get the scripture inside, and then you live it out in such a way that nobody knows that you are quoting scriptures. It's part of your everyday language. It's part of your everyday life, kingdom living, right? Living the kingdom. They don't realize you're bringing the kingdom to them when you're resolving conflict at your job, at home, in the streets. So your thoughts, it, it, it does matter what you think about. It says, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. You got to change your mindset. You got to allow that word to, to govern your thoughts. The scripture says we walk by faith faith and not by, how, how do you walk by faith? Most people interpret that scriptures that I know of, I got to keep disclaimer, most people that I know that 
think about walking by faith. They think about, let me take a leap of faith into a journey that I don't know anything. Let me jump blindly into it. But that scripture actually simply says to govern your entire life by faith. You, make, you marry the person based on your faith. You raise your kids based on your faith. You deal with your money based on your faith. You, you take care of your body based on your faith. You look at television shows based on your faith. I'm preaching better than you saying amen. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, everything governed by your faith. We walk by faith. We, we, our lives are governed by our faith. I, we take our faith seriously. I don't cuss because of my faith. I, I don't steal. I, I work right because of my faith. I treat my spouse right because of my faith. I treat my singleness because of my faith. So that's how you walk by faith. Walking by faith is not just being a robot and you just said, I'm blessed and highly favored. It's not, it doesn't mean that you, just, you don't get problems. Faith doesn't make things easy. It makes things possible. Right? That's what real faith is. Faith doesn't exempt you from crisis. Faith endure, causes you to endure crisis. For in this world, you'll have many tribulations. You'll be in the beginning of a trial, in the middle of a trial, or the end of a trial, and you may get a break and go right into a trial. As long as you're on this earth, you'll have the devil to deal with in the flesh, in the world. You'll never be exempt for temptations. People are looking for a place to a perfection, and they are not tempted by anything. Being not tempted doesn't mean that you're spiritual. It just means that that thing did not tempt you. Wait till you find something that tempts you, and then you won't be as spiritual in your sight. People are super dumb deep, and they, I'm just not tempted right there. I'm above that. Oh, shut up. Just, just wait till the right person comes across your life, and then you'll, 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 you'll be on your knees like SWV. Just, oh, sorry. The right person will get you on your knees like SWV. I get weak on my, in my knees, right? The right person, the right situation, the right thing to pull your trigger. You got to understand your trigger. Don't ever judge another brother and sister and say, oh, I would never do that. No, you don't walk in their shoes. You don't walk in their shoes. You pray for them and you strengthen them and be an encouragement unless that thing overtake you, the Bible says in Galatians. Amen. And so here we have um, the enticement of desire and, and then it produces, it, it's like giving birth. So when lust gets finished with you, this is why lust is, is powerful and it's dangerous to yield to your lust. The thing you don't want is God to give you over to your lust. Deliver me from my lust, Lord. Deliver me from my greatest desires. Deliver me from the, the, the appetite, that, that, that thing that doesn't please you. Because if I yield to it and you give me over to it, there is no way that I'm coming back without your grace. So when lust gets finished, it produces, it will birth inside of your life sin. And we know sin is disobedience to God. And sin, when it gets finished with you, it will produce death. Death in your finances, death in your body, death in your relationships, death. It's not just talking about physical death. It is talking about spiritual death, alienation from God Almighty, separation from God. Oh, death, there's three types of deaths. The Bible speaks of at least three types of deaths. There's physical death. There's spiritual death. Spiritual death is separation from God. Are you separated from God in any area of your life? 
Is he not a part of that area of your life? And then there is the second death, which we all should avoid in Revelation. And that's the death that God will throw um, hell and death in the grave, um, hell and, and death into the lake of fire. Hell is not a permanent place. It's a temporary place. It's a holding place until judgment. But there's something worse than hell called the lake of fire. We, 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 want to come, we want to come, oh, you're going to go to hell? Yes, yes, yes. But it's not forever. It's only until the final day of judgment. Then there is the lake of fire, which is worse. Okay, so we see this, um, th this lust. Let's go to Romans 6, 23. Romans chapter 6, verse 23. We're talking about ties, the ties that bind. What, what's binding you? What relationship that is binding you? What organization that is binding you? What is it that, you know, God told you to let that person go and you're still in relationship with them? You're still in covenant with them. Friendships, the power of friendships. Friends, when I was doing youth, youth ministry and, and I was trying to, I had a bunch of teenagers, about 400 teenagers that were wild and, and lustful and, and horny and all that stuff. And it's just like, how do I help them? And the Lord gave me two things. He says, you get rid of the music and get rid of the friends, you can get them free. And it's the same with adults. The music and the friends. Who, who, ha who has your ear? Who's speaking into Is it yourself? There's some people who counsel themselves. Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says this, for the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So notice it's the wages. The wages of sin is death. What, what you, I think about this as a teenager, um, wages, wages, you know, like you think about wages. And then I started thinking about at the time I was making minimum wage. And I was like, minimum wage, oh, minimum wage for the wages. Ah, oh, the wages of sin is death. So sin is going to pay you with death. That changed my life. I said, whoa, man, this is revelation as a teenager. So if I keep sinning, um, payday's coming. Payday's coming. Good or bad, payday's going to come good or bad. You keep obeying God, and you're going to get paid. But keep disobeying God, and you're going to get paid. Payday's coming after a while. See, we, 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 we're so grace-oriented, hyper-grace, and we think that um, be, because we get away with wrongdoing and, and, and nothing happens right away, that we're okay. But if you keep yielding to it, you keep compromising. I said it on Wednesday. What you compromise today, you'll ultimately lose later. And so you keep yielding to sin, and sin will pay you one day. Sin has a price tag to it. And the price tag is death. But obedience to God has a price tag to it, and it's life in abundance. You keep yielding to sin, and sin will bind you up for a long time. You'll be in your 80s still struggling with the same thing you were struggling with as a teenager. Sin binds people up, and there is a payday. For the wages of sin is death. Sin may be pleasurable for the moment, but the bitterness of sin is coming after a while. A mature Christian sees the end of sin, sees the bitterness before it comes. See, don't sow wild oaks because those wild oaks is going to turn into some thorns. And they'll get you, and they'll affect your body in ways, and affects your mind in ways that you can not only imagine. So the wages, the payments of that sin is coming. When we understand the ugliness of sin and, 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 the, and, and, the, and the, the penalty of sin and how sin produces God's wrath, 
it moves God from a place of compassion to anger, to judgment. Sin can, God cannot hang around sin. God hates sin. He hates sin, and we should abhor or really hate that which God hates. And when you hate the bondages that you're in greater than you're in that, the pleasure of that bondage, then you'll get free. You'll get free. When you still, when you still play, see, you play around sin long enough, you keep playing around it, it's going to end up burning you. It's going to burn you. And so we, we have to be careful. We have to be careful. Now go with me to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. Before you go there, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I'm almost finished. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Um, Jack Hayford has a, a, a series that I, I, you, can't, you probably can't find it. And he talks about something that's um, pretty profound. He says the name of the message series, and I was a kid when it came out, it's called Why Sex Sins Are the Worst Sins. And, 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 and you know, um, people got upset with me when I talked about this particular series that he preached. Pastors got upset at me. And, uh, but it, it, it is, it is the, the worst because it affects more than you. And, and so 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16, because we are taught to believe this that one sin is not greater than the other, right? That, that's what we, but you don't find that in the Bible. You don't find that in the Bible. That one sin is greater than the other. All, you know, all sin is all sin. One sense, yes, but in another sense, it's not. Because there are consequences in other sins. You kill somebody, right? Right? Um, the consequences are greater than if you just punch them. Mm-hmm. And so if man can put a heavier weight on, on certain sins, crimes. What about God? Because in Proverbs, it talks about at least seven things that the Lord really hates. You know, he hates sin in general, but he hates some specific things. He really, really hates them. Like, it, it's an abomination to him. There's some things he hates, he hates, and then other things he, he really, really, really hates. Mm-hmm. Read your Bible. You, you, you'll find out. That. So 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16 says this. It says that, do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two shall will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside of the body, but the sexual immoral person sins against his own body. And do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. Say, I am not my own. Listen, you can't do what you want with your body. For you are bought with a price. So therefore glorify God in your mm. And you're going to be rewarded based on what you've done in your, with your body. It does matter what you do with your body, whether you get tattoos or not. Hush. <laughs> you can't just go and take somebody else's body and tat, and tat it up. Your body belongs to Jesus. Your body, specifically, you cannot take, it is, it, when you have sex with someone who's not in your, um, your, who's you're not married to, the opposite, right? Biblical marriage, 2019, right? Biblical marriage, um, man and woman. 
when you're not you when you have sex outside of that marriage covenant, biblical marriage covenant, then you become one with that person. And the Bible says that you basically um, you take on that other person, whatever that other person has, you take that on and you become they whatever they have, you have and whatever you have, you give to them. See, sex is, is much more than a physical act. It's, it's a spiritual act. It, 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 you become one with that person. The, the, you can't get closer than any. You can't get closer to a person than having sex with them. That's the closest you can get, and this is why that sin is worse than other sins. Sins. It's one thing to cuss. It's one thing to to imagine you sinning with that person, but it's another thing to become one with that person. And and because of that, because of that oneness, you you become you develop ties to that person and now your soul is tied to that other person and so we don't want to deal with that the fact that those people that you were one with over those years um, and, and over time and, and you have different partners that you got to get those people out of you that which they gave you and that doesn't happen through just deliverance Right. Deliverance people are like, let me just cast it out and break the soul ties. And yet you still go around and you still yield to it. But this is a process of time. You, sometimes Dr. Norva Hayes, uh, he talks about how sometimes you got to pray. You got not sometimes, but you got to pray that person out of you, out of your system. And that takes, you know, the little shanda that we do on Sundays is not enough. You got you to gotta stay in the presence of God and you got to keep praying in the spirit and keep praying in the English and keep dedicating yourself to the Lord until that person is totally out of your system that they have no control. Of. Because sometimes when you see that person, that which they gave you triggers when you see them and you find yourself imagining yourself back in that situation. That's a soul tie. And, and sometimes it's not may not necessarily be sexual, but it may be hum, emotional. Yeah. Well, you're emotionally attached to a person. A person has spoken to you in such a way and to touch you in such a way that, that, that you're emotionally attached to them. And they can get you to do things that you never imagined. It could be a, 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 a cousin. It could be... Um, I, I'm going to be very transparent. I have a, I have a cousin, and we, we got very close as a teenager, as teenagers, and we're close now. And she had the ability. We, we, got, we were so close, nothing ungodly, but just so close. And, I mean, we just, you know, just shared everything. And, and she was like, I just want to kill myself. And then when I was around her, and then all of a sudden I started like, I want to kill myself. <laughs> She's like, I want to run away. She's like, and then I'm like, I want to run away too. <laughs> because it just, we were just close. And, and, and that which was inside of her through, through conversation and our closeness got inside of me. And then, you know, and one time I hid her in my, my room. She ran away from home and I hid her in my closet. You remember this, mom? I hid her in my closet. <laughs> I was like, yo, I'm going to get you some food. They were like, what are you bringing? I got you, cuz. I got you, cuz. And I mean, and then, I mean, I remember she, we've been out like late at night. Uh, we like, we would sit down on a hill and, and um, this is down South Jersey and we just chill and talk about life. And then I would be trying to witness to her. And she's like, you always talking about that Jesus stuff. And then she was just talking. And then we went and all these kids were out. I mean, it was like three o'clock in the morning and I introduced her. She's like, yo, I like that dude. Go talk to him and tell him, you know, I want to talk to him. And I introduced them and they, they married. They got like five kids and, and one grandkid now. And, 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 you know, I just did 
the, the first daughter's wedding, and, and they're like forever grateful, like, oh, he introduced us. But it wasn't a wrong situation. <laughs> I mean, it was 3 o'clock in the morning. He was like 21. She was 18. I'm like, what, why, why am I introducing y'all? And, and I mean, but that's the type of power she had over me. I mean, you know, really. Just like, so it's just not just sexual, but it's, it can be emotional. Well, you're emotionally attached to a person. Gangs. Emotionally, you, 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 you made your allegiance to some people, and in order to get out, they got to kill you or beat your butt. What kind of sense is that? That's not common sense. That's not God's sense. Or, or I mean, and I get in trouble. But sororities and fraternities, I mean, you, 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 you'll make your allegiance to a group of people over some colors and over some things, or the Masons, or, you know, you, you, your allegiance to the military or, or, or denomination, I'm preaching better here, uh, denominations or, or a job. I mean, I mean you, you'll make your allegiance to other stuff. I, I'm not 100% against sororities and fraternities. I don't want people who think they are. My, my wife is AKA, you know. I, I don't want to come against the little stuff like that. But, but, but what, I'm, what I'm trying to say is there is your allegiance got to be towards Jesus greater than your allegiance to human beings and organizations. I'm telling you, I was bound up with an organization recently until last, this past Friday. I cut ties with them. I cut, it, took a, it took a particular situation that caused me to cut ties with this organization. And I separate myself. No longer part of them. I love them, but no longer connected. And you got to make a decision that you, your allegiance is going to be to Jesus Christ and him only. Greater than anybody else, anyone else. I remember ministering to a couple who had lived together for 10 years, and, 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 and they wanted to be a part of our church, and, 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 and they wanted to get involved. And, and so I, I talked to them, and I said, listen, I, I love you enough to tell you. And, and she was paying her tithes, and at the time, we were getting $3 a week. And, and, and her tithes was coming and carrying the rent. And, 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 and so I talked to them, and I said, I love you so much, but do you think that Jesus is pleased with this relationship? And she said, no. He said, no. They were living together. They weren't married. He was still married to somebody else. So it's adultery. And I said, as a biblical pastor, you're on your way to hell. I don't care how many times you prayed and asked Jesus in your heart, how many times you speak in a tongue, but you're going to hell. You know, that, that, that really go over pretty well. That helped the church grow really fast. And, and, and my wife and I said to the, the gentlemen, they were older, and, and we said, you can move in, here with our, in our house until you make things right. We can walk you through repentance. You're free, or she can come over into the house, whatever the case may be. And we'll walk with you and pray with you and get you free from this diabolical relationship. And they both cried, and we prayed, and we cried, and we prayed. And 30 minutes later, they walked out and never said hi to us in the next two years. You can get involved in a bondage that it overshadows the will of God. And I said to them, I said, you got to love Jesus more than you love each other. Until you love Jesus more than you love each other, you really can't be saved to the bone. You really can't be separated, and you really can't be dedicated to the things of God. And until you come to that place, 
you know, you, you're just going to always be in, and, and, and she's vocalized how, how the hell that she's been in all these years. Yeah. There's a penalty for sin. People love pleasure more than they love the things of God. They love darkness more than the things of God. And until you love God more than that bondage that you're in, you'll always be in that bondage. Uh, we were supposed to go to John 8. Y'all didn't tell me that. John chapter 8. See, y'all, I thought y'all were in the spirit. <laughs> John chapter 8. Let's go to John chapter 8 before we do Romans 6, and then I'll let you go. John chapter 8, familiar scripture that will set you free. John chapter 8, verse 31. And it says, Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, if you abide, the word abide means to live, to dwell. Uh, abide in that word, in my word. Abide, let that word dwell in you. You are truly my disciples. And then he goes on, he says, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Most of the time we quote that scripture like you'll know the truth and the truth set you free. But no, if you abide in the word, then you'll know the truth. And the truth that you know, the truth that you act on will set you free. Not the truth that you know mentally, but the truth that you're intimate with. The truth that, it's, that, that, that you're impregnant with. Even as Mary was impregnant with the living word, when that written word is impregnant, you're impregnant with that living word, that written word, then you'll, when that becomes a reality to you and you act upon what you know, then that truth will make you free. You do not get free because you know, for example, drugs are bad. This is drugs. This is your brain on drugs. That doesn't set people free. People still did drugs, right? So the truth is, yeah, that's your brain on drugs. But does that mean that you'll be set free? Because you know that. It's the truth that you know, the truth that you act upon that will set you free. You can know that sugar is bad for you, and yet we still eat sugar. We're in and out, in and out. Sugar, sugar this, sugar devil. We got sugar, sugar diabetes. You know what I'm saying? And we'll just, we could be diabetic and still eat the bad things. I'm, mm-hmm. we, we know that, um, um, you know, um, McDonald's is bad for us, right? We call it McDevils around my house. McDevils bad for you. And, and, and we, we've seen supersize me. Uh, we've seen that. And yet we still go to McDonald's, McDevils. So you can know the truth, but knowing the truth doesn't make you free because you know it. It's the truth that you act upon that makes you free. Amen. You can know that charging your cat. We won't. No, don't, don't do this. Don't, don't buy me. Don't buy the family anything this year, all right? But we didn't buy any, any of our kids Christmas presents. Why? Because we're working on something. We're not going to go into debt for one day, right, so that you can have a present. I can buy you presents anytime. Well, we got something greater. We, your t- tuition's coming up, right? Yeah, we need to pay for that. We got this mortgage we got to take care of. So I'm not going to go in debt to please you for a moment that you're going to put the toys up. You still didn't play the toys three years ago, right? And people, and, and we talk about Jesus is the reason for the season, and we go in debt, which is not the will of God, over one day to get that smile for one moment, and that smile is going to be turned into a frown. You didn't get me this, though. So sometimes you have to say, well, we'll buy, you'll buy you something after Christmas. Mom and Dad did that to, me, to us. For a long time, we didn't have Christmas tree, a Christmas tree. You know, not because we didn't, you know, it's the devil and all this stuff. No, 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 that's foolishness. Jesus got a Christmas tree in heaven. Watch when we go get there. Um, and so mom and dad was like, no, we, we you know, we, we, on Sunday, on Christmas morning, dad would get up and we would read the Christmas story. And we would worship. Come on, worship God. He's good. He sent this son. 
and, and, and then we go to grandma's house and, and, and talk to our cousins. And what you get? Nothing. What you get? Oh, I got this. And now I got this. And we, you know. Oh. And then aunts be like, are y'all Jehovah's Witnesses? No, we just, I mean, and, and mom and dad was working on something. You know, and it's just like, man. And then we worship, and then New Year's come, they get their income tax. Okay, we're going to go buy you some things. And then put us in debt. Then put them in debt, right? And so sometimes you got to sacrifice in order to get what you, you got to do what you don't want to do in order to do what you want to do. And sometimes you got to sacrifice. You got to sacrifice. Say, you know what? I, I wanted a real big Christmas tree this year. I mean, I want a real, it's too late now. Because if I keep, if I go get one, then I'll keep it up all year round. <laughs> it's beautiful. <laughs> this thing cost me three hundred dollars. We're gonna, we're gonna keep it all year round. It's about a decoration. <laughs> Two or three years. I, I, I mean, but but you you gotta. I said all that to say you don't want to get in bondage. You may know that the truth of getting in debt is wrong and charging credit card for it one day, and get in debt over it. You know that that's wrong, but yet people still do it. So it's not the truth that you know mentally, it's the truth that you act upon that will set you free. And then verse 33, and they answer him, we are offsprings of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say unto you, everyone, listen to this, listen to the words of the master. Everyone who practices what? Sin. Everyone who practices sin is what? A slave, a slave to what? Sin. So the sin that you practice is the slave that you that you are. The sin that you practice is the sin that you are a slave to. Not just any sin, but the sin that you practice. What is it that you're practicing? What is it that you're practicing? What got you bound? Whether it's it's overeating, whether it's undereating, whether it's talking too much, whether it's not talking enough, whether it's 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 looking at pornography, whether it's 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 it's, it's cussing and using profanity, whether it's anger. What, what got you tripped up? What's, what, what is your vice? What, 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 what is it that, that, that triggers you? The sin that you practice is the sin that you are enslaved to. It's not just a one-time trip, but it's a continuation. It's something that you repeatedly do. It's a, it's a habitual habit. It, it's, it's a habit. It, it's something, I know that's double. All right. Uh, it, it's, my wife's going to come back and listen to it. It's like, yeah, you said it. Uh, but it, it's, it's an ongoing thing. You, you, you constantly give yourself over to it. And whatever you give yourself over to the most is your master. More scripture, one more scripture. Romans 6. The ties that bind, what's binding you? Low self-esteem, no one loves me. Get over it. God sent Jesus to die for you. That's enough to set you free for a lifetime. If no, no one else ever, ever loved to be around you, he loves your presence because you, you are his treasure. I want to kill myself. Then do it. All right, that's not good advice. Somebody kill them and say, oh, that will sue you. No. I mean, if you want to kill yourself, then don't tell nobody, right? I mean, you just want attraction. I mean, I don't know anybody. You know what I'm saying? This is attention. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. I'm hurting. I'm hurt. Well, the world is hurting. I got molested. Welcome to the world. I, I got beat up. I got abused. My mommy was in my life. My daddy was in my life. Welcome to the world. Dysfunctional. This world is falling. 
everybody got some type of issue, some type of dysfunction, and yours is not unique. That is so, it's not, you know, it's like Dave, he just reposted something called, whether it's not, it's not necessarily generational curses as much as what? Generational choices. Generational choices. So sometimes what we call curses, and sometimes in the generational curses theology, is they use that as I'm cursed, that's why I keep doing what I'm doing. They blame the curse. When Galatians 3.13 says Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. So whether you redeem or not, it's up to you. Whether you take your redemption. Say, no, this, this stops with me. Um, um, Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. Let's go there real quick. Verse 12. It says, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passion. Sin will make you obey its passion. You're smoking weed. weed. Listen, people are controlled by a leaf. A leaf says, you know what time it is. You, you got to have me right now. <laughs> I'm going to change the laws of the land over a leaf. The leaf says, it's time. Pornography says, it's time. You know what time it is. Come on. Um, um, gossip says, it's time. I'm going to tell you a secret so you pray for me. I'm going to blast it out. It's time. Sin tells you what to do. It, it says, let not sin Reign in your mortal body that you obey its lusts or passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness. For present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will not have dominion over you since you are not under the law but under grace. What then? Are, are we to sin because we're not under the law but under grace? If some grace people will just read that. By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, either sin, which leads to death, or obedience, which leads to righteousness. So if you yield yourself to sin, you're gonna produce, it's going to lead you to death, but you lead your, yield yourself to righteousness, right doing, it will lead you to righteousness, obedience. But thanks be to God, or thanks be to God that you were once slaves of sin, have become obedience from the heart to the standards of teacher to which you were committed, and have been set free from sin, and have become in the slaves of righteousness. So how many know that we are slaves of righteousness? We, we are to, so if you've got a problem with your flesh, say, Lord, I thank you that my mind serves righteousness. My members serve righteousness. My members serve righteousness. I will not yield to, to, to slave. My members are not instruments of, slave, of sin, but they're, they're instruments of righteousness. My mind serves righteousness. My body serves righteousness. My mouth serves righteousness. My mouth is a mouth of righteousness. That's how you, that's how you overcome. I'm free from any ties that bind, that is negative, ungodly, things that control me, that Satan uses. I'm free. The ruler of this world comes and he finds nothing in me. He can't pull on some handles to pull me and trigger me and trip me up. Um, um, let's, verse 22. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of what? Of God. Y'all thought I was crazy by praying every single Sunday. I want to thank you that I'm a slave of yours. You either you're a slave of God or a slave of the devil. If you serve your flesh, you're a slave of the devil. If you serve your spirit, you're a slave of God. Cut sin off. Cut it off. It says, um, but the fruit, 
But the fruit, the fruit you get leads to sanctification, and its end is eternal life. And it goes on and says the wages of sin is death. So I'm going to tell you, so this is great. Be free, the ties that binds. Okay, how do you be free, right? Sometimes we, we have heard these pretty little messages, but we don't know how to get free. So I'm going to tell you how to get free. How to be free from soul ties. How to be free from ties that bind. Let's go. Let's go. First one. Let's go. The first thing you need to do. Michael Todd, scoot over. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. The first thing you need to do is this. Therefore, having the ministry, the ministry, this ministry by the mercies of God, we do not lose heart. Verse 2. But we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of truth, of the truth, we commend ourselves to everyone's Conscience in the sight of God. So the first thing you have to do is renounce your sins. I renounce my sins, whatever it is. If it's alcoholism, I renounce alcoholism. If it's perversions of any type, I renounce ungodly appetites. Uh, if it's gossip, I renounce gossiping. I renounce negative thinking. I re whatever it is, you got to renounce it. You got to reject it. You got to spit it up. You got to vomit and say, no, I, no, no part of my life. I, I divorce you. I block you. I, 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 I defriend you. I break covenant with you. What, what, what do you have covenant with that has bound you? Television show? I want to see ghosts, but I need to save money. So buy stars. Who killed ghosts? I don't know. I just messed up something. <laughs> the powers. Pastor, you look at ghosts. Let me give you a bootleg. <laughs> uh, but you got you to, whatever is controlling you, nothing should control you from, from marijuana to cigarettes to, to, to alcohol to your favorite shows to coffee, come on, to sugar. Nothing should have dominion over you. That is the will of God. Nothing should be binding you. No person should have enough power over you to disobey God. If husband doesn't want you to go to church, you have enough love for Jesus that you'll come to church. God does not honor um, that, that divine order in the home when the, the head of the order is disobedient to God. It's what we call in the, in the regular natural civil disobedient, right? Thank God for it. Come on. Thank God for some people broke loose and said, nah, I'm going to try to vote. I, I, I'm not, you're not going to keep me in slavery. You got to be so desperate for your freedom that you're willing to break some laws to get free. I'm not talking about some, nat you know what I'm saying? Some natural laws. Like that, that, that doesn't mean that I'm going to go in and go preach to everybody on the job and you get fired and you're looking at the devil made, got, me, got me fired. No, you got yourself fired. You didn't use wisdom. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, don't get deep on me. Don't get, don't, don't get flaky. You know, you know I, I, I'm going to break some laws. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the laws of sin. The laws of sin and death. So you got to renounce the hidden things. Renounce the things that have bound you. This is specifically talk about the handling the word of God, but we need to renounce our sins. Number two, you got to confess your sins. 1 John 1, 9. 
Confession is powerful. There are three types of confessions. Two is conf- one is confessing the lordship of Jesus. Two is confessing um, the word of God, your faith in the word of God. And three is confessing your sins. The word confession means agreement. You agree with God that this thing is wrong. First John 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Until you confess, it's still in your life. That confession breaks you free from that thing that you've been doing to disobey God. There's power in confessing your sins. I renounce this, and I confess that I have sinned before God Almighty. You can't even get saved until you confess that you are a sinner. Number three, forsake those things that have you bound. Proverbs 28, 13. Let's go there. Proverbs 28, verse 13. Proverbs 28, verse 13. Proverbs 28, verse 13. It says, whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper. Some people are not prospering because they have hidden their sins. Could it be you can make all the great confessions you want to, But unless you confess your sins, you're not going to prosper. Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper. But he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. So you confess your sins and you forsake them. That's repentance. You don't just go, I admit that I'm wrong. And you go back and do the same thing. You will not prosper unless you confess and forsake. So you got to forsake your sins. Forsake that. The next one is fill yourself up with the word of God. Fill yourself up with the word of God. That's Psalm 119 verse 11. Colossians 3, 16. Psalm 119 verse 11. It says, I've hid your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Colossians 3, 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Colossians 3, 16, Psalm 119, verse 11. Fill yourself up with the word. So once you confess, once you renounce, once you forsake, then you you got to replace those things. The way you got into that bondage is the way you get out. If you expose your eyes to pornography, the way you get out of pornography is the way you fill your eyes up with the word of God. If you take heed of that, you get free. free. Um, The way that you you get out of gossip is by speaking... Positive things about people, believing the best. The next one is to pray in the spirit, both in tongues and in English, Jude 20. Pray or your native tongue. You may not speak English. You might speak Spanish. You may speak German. Whatever language you may speak. Pray in the spirit. Praying in the spirit includes praying in tongues and in, in your native tongue. There's power in praying in the spirit. And last but not least, stay in community of believers. Stay in the community of believers. Hebrews 10, 25. Hebrews 10, 25. Stay in community with believers. God who lives in community, if God needs to live in community or or lives in community, we need to live in community. Amen. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We thank you, Father, that you want to set us free from the ties that bind that which has bound us, that which has kept us away from fulfilling our God-given destiny. If you're here and you say, Pastor Dwayne, I'm not born again, 
That concludes this week's message, and thank you very much for listening. For more information about Kingdom Living Ministries, please call us at 732-324-2200 or visit our website at kingdomlivingnj.org. Also, you can write to us by mail at P.O. Box 519, Rancocas, New Jersey, 08073. And lastly, if you would like to partner with this ministry through your prayers or financial support, contact us via email at partners at kingdomlivingnj.org. Our prayer is that this message has encouraged you to live out the kingdom of God daily in your life by your obedience to His Word. God bless you.